Good morning, church. So great to be with you um, again this week and the privilege to share God's word with you. I'm super excited about this season that we find ourselves in. That winter is a few more days behind us and is becoming less and it's starting to, to warm up and things are starting to thaw and I just, I feel very hopeful. Um, I'm reminded that God is, is faithful and that, um, that though darkness may come, that joy comes in the morning and that like this is a new day that God has made and so we, um, we rejoice. And um, we are in a season called Lent and um, which might not feel like a season for rejoicing, but um, I hope that it ends up causing us great joy and giving us reason for great joy. And when we talk about Lent, what we're talking about is, is decrease. And, and that word decrease is, is, counter, is countercultural. It's, um, it's not a word that we chose this year to inspire us. I mean, for many of us, like we're not, we're not praying for, for decrease in our life. It's not why we moved to the city. It's not why we took the jobs that we've taken. It's not like what we want for ourselves financially. It's not what we want for ourselves influentially, right? Like we came for an increase. We came to do better. We came to add things to our life. It's, um, it's rare that anyone gets anywhere in life without trying to make a name for themselves and, and working hard to keep it. I mean, if your boss called you in the office and asked you about some of your goals, you wouldn't say, boss, I'm here for downward mobility. I'm trying to work my way down. Like you wouldn't tell your boss or like, I don't have any aspirational goals, right? We are inherently born with some goals and desires to increase, to make ourselves better, to do something with our lives. In fact, for many of us, um, I mean, it's, Lent feels like the opposite of what we're after, right? Because right now, I guarantee you that one of you, many of you may, all of us have a goal that we're trying to attain right now, that we're trying to make happen in our lives. And so when we, t we talk about Lent and 40 days of like dying to ourselves and taking up our cross, that doesn't seem very exciting. And yet that's what we're called to as a church in this season. And that's what John the Baptist, that's what his ministry and life and aim was all about. Decrease, stepping aside and making room for Jesus to show up, making room for Jesus to be the center. And so this pastor talks about John and John John was the cousin of Jesus, that early on he committed his life to living in the wilderness. And he said that he wore camel's hair and ate locusts and honey, right? I mean, I think this trend has caught on in certain cities, right? Um, and he was, it says that he was the forerunner of Jesus. That means that he was called to prepare the way for Jesus. And that he prepared the way for Jesus by calling people, by calling the community to repent, 
to, to change their thinking, to change their minds, to, to fix their hearts and open it up for, for God to be Lord and, and King of their lives. And so people were turning and, and John would baptize them in water. And so um, he, was, he was good at what he was called to do. He, he, it was fruitful. Like John was growing in influence. People lined up in droves out in the wilderness to be baptized by John. And many would say that he was a prophet of God, that he was the second coming of Elijah. And so you could kind of say that calling people to repentance and baptizing was John's vocation or his calling. And it says that, that John had disciples. He had people that were following in his footsteps, that were doing what he was doing. And his disciples were having a, a debate with another Jewish person over on whose baptism is most effective, whose baptism had God's stamp of approval on it. Read with me in verse 25. It says, Now a discussion arose between John's disciples and a Jew over purifying. And so they had, these things, they had a Jewish purification system in which people were, were cleansed and washed with water so that they could approach God. And John also had a baptism in water. And then we find that Jesus' disciples were also baptizing people in water. And so purification, being cleansed with water, was important on so many levels in, in the Jewish religious and communal and social life. To be washed and to be cleansed made you approachable and acceptable in society and also gave you access to God. And so it was important for the community of God to have this washing over their lives to be acceptable and to have favor with God and so and have this return and reconnection to God and so John was leading in kind of a revival and people turning their lives back to God and preparing for Jesus to come and so now his influence is taking a hit to Jesus. People are going in droves now and flocking to Jesus and his disciples to be baptized. And so read with me in verse 26, it says, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you bore witness, here he is baptizing and all are going to him. And so what the what John's disciples are, are noticing is like like our numbers are decreasing. People are starting to flock to Jesus to be and his disciples to be baptized. Like we're taking our ministry, our vocation, our calling seems to be taking a hit. Seems to be on the decrease. And they and they say the the guy that you baptize is trying to do what you're doing and is taking away and everyone is going to him. And they're, they're literally saying the audacity of Jesus. Like, who does Jesus think he is? Who does Jesus think he is to take our shine, to take our moment, to, to take 
the ministry from us. In their minds, John needs to do something because this is a threat to his livelihood. This is a threat to his mission. And so there's seem to be stirring up a, a rivalry. And at the, at the heart of rivalry, we, we, it stems from us going into protective mode, that we're trying to protect what we have and what we are, are trying to accomplish, because we sense that it's in, it's in jeopardy. And we, put, we could put a face and a name to the threat. And it's, in their minds, Jesus is the threat to what they're trying to accomplish. And I'm sure we think in our own lives that we, we, can, we can relate to this, right? I remember in, um, in high school, I played football, and, I, and I'm probably always going to tell you guys football stories. Um, I played football, and then my junior year, going to my senior year, the, the coaching staff announced that I was going to be like the starting running back. My, my senior year, that's the guy who runs the ball in his hands. And they said that I was going to be that, and I was so pumped. I'd work so hard. And then the next season came, and there was a new person emerging and arising and started to take my reps and started to become the coach's favorite. And next thing you know that they were taking my position, and I was so fixed and mad and focused on what I was losing rather than realizing could this be good for the team and here's the thing it's hard to get surpassed especially when we built something around built our identity around what we do especially when we built our identity around certain things that make us feel important when we get surpassed it feels like a threat it feels like a threat to our ego, to our pride, and to, and to who we are and to our value. Especially when we get surpassed by someone that we feel is underneath us, who doesn't deserve it, who hasn't been here long enough, that we were the first ones, that we were, we've practiced harder, we've worked harder, we've been here. And what's happening? What's, what, the question we ask is, what's going to happen to us if this person ascends? What, will people forget us? Will we become disposable? What about me? This is, this is the concern of John's disciples. What about us? If Jesus grows in fame and popularity, what's going to happen to us? And see, that, that question, what about me, as we follow Jesus, this is what this Lent season's about, we begin to flip those questions to, what about him? How is he getting glory? How is his name being exalted? And so John answers in verse 26, 27, it says, John answered, he says, no one can receive anything except what is given him from heaven. And John's response essentially is, all that I have is a gift from God. I'm just, I'm just stewarding what he has given me. This is, this is his perspective. He understands that everything he has, any influence, the lines of people, every success that he's experienced, every baptism, everyone who's repented, it's only because of the grace of God that all these good things, everything that's happened has been from God. One commentator says this, 
confidence in the sovereignty of God delivers vocational peace. We're confident, John is deeply confident and rooted that everything that's happened has been because of God and he has peace in whatever may come. One of the keys to walking with God is acknowledging that everything comes from him, is acknowledging that he is sovereign over all. And that we are not the source of success. That, and that Lent, that our lives in walking with Jesus is redirecting all the credit, all the praise to God. John, John knows his lane. He is firmly in his lane, and regardless of the perceived threat to his success, he submits to what Jesus is doing. He's saying that people are flocking to Jesus. Man, that's exactly what Jesus wants, and I submit myself to that. He says in verse 28, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ but I have been sent before him. Here's the phrase that we have to write on our hearts, inscribe on our, our hands, our palms, to write on the fridge, on our, on our dashboards, like, I am not the Messiah. I am not Christ. I am not God. Like, that's such a good reminder that's the right perspective that John is saying, regardless of all the good things that you see that's happened in my life, I am not God. There's no way that I can take credit for anything good that's happened. It's all because of him. And Lent, it causes us to examine the ways in which we are trying to play the role of God, in which we are trying to save ourselves, which we are trying to create our own salvation projects. And when we re remember and live in light that we are not God, man, that takes the pressure off ourselves. Let's, let that drop your guard. Let that drop your pride. Let that drop your pursuit of trying to take up your life. And that God is God. Let God be God. Take away the tyranny of comparison. We don't have to compare ourselves to that person or this person or that standard because it's all about God. God gives us and it's his plan that he is working together for our good. Amen. John knows what God has called him to do. John knows who God has called him to be. He said, I have been sent before him. And John 1, 7, he says this. It says this about John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He, John was called to point people to Jesus. He was called to point people that, to Jesus. That's him. He's the one. And to get out of the way. To, to move out of the way because it's all about decrease. John makes it clear in this passage that that his role is to decrease and that is not a cause for concern or a cause for sadness because oftentimes we associate 
decrease with, with loss, that we're losing something, that we're losing a piece of ourselves, that we're losing a quality of life, that we're losing our value, and that it's, it's a sad thing. And John is saying, like, no, to, to decrease for the sake of Jesus is a cause for great joy. Read verse 29, he says this, He who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now full. Now, I bet many of you, you've either been to a wedding or you've heard or you've seen a wedding where, where someone in the wedding party tries to steal the show, right? We've heard this. We've seen it on sitcoms and that, that someone in a wedding party thinks that the day is about themselves, that they have to one-up everyone on the, on the toast or hijack the pictures or the moment. And, and John is saying that he has played a role in this wedding party of Jesus and the people of God, and he's done some coordination. And now at the time of the wedding, at the time of the consummation, that he takes great joy in stepping aside and letting the groom and the bride be the center of attention. He's saying, it takes great joy. You know that moment when you're like, they are so happy. Oh my God, this is beautiful that this is happening. And John is saying, this is beautiful to see that people are flocking to Jesus. In other words, that, that this decrease is actually bringing more joy than I could ever anticipate. That me stepping aside and placing Jesus front and center is my life's aim. Verse 30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. And that word increase means for Jesus to grow more important in power and honor. For him to grow more important in power and honor. And then for decrease is for us to grow less important in power and status. I must decrease. This is the model of Christian discipleship. Like, if we want to be disciples of Jesus, if we want to be people who follow Jesus and begin to shape our lives around him, to be formed in his image and his likeness, like that we have to live in a place where we are decreasing and becoming less important in power and status. Cornel West says this. He says, humility is the fruit of inner security and wise maturity. To be humble is to be so sure of oneself and one's mission that one can forego calling excessive attention to one's self and status. This we, as followers of Jesus, we want to make Jesus famous. We want his name to, to shout with acclaim throughout our city, throughout our world, when we cannot share the stage with him. So there has to be a humility in following Jesus and knowing, like John was called, that we are just called to clear the stage. We're called to clear everything that gets in the way of people seeing Jesus. See, John had a job to prepare his community to receive Jesus. 
and they best receive him as he steps out the way and allows them to come to Jesus without trying to steal the show. See, decrease is not only better for us in our relationship with the Jesus, it's better for the world around us because it means that people are getting a better picture of Jesus. And I know that we live in a very competitive world. Like you see it on social media. You see it, people fighting to be up front, people fighting for titles and for their name to be known and for them to have followers. And you, you name it, like we are all competing for attention, for eight seconds of fame, to, to be a leader, to be this. And I wonder for this, passage in this season and Jesus is saying take the ambition of trying to make a name for yourself and use it to lift up the name of Jesus and, and redirect it towards propping up the kingdom and clearing the way for people to see who Jesus is and what he's about. See, John's disciples got so fixed on what they were doing for God. They were so fixed on, on what they're doing for God. They were literally about to box God out. They, were, they literally thought Jesus was their competition. Like they're, they're like trying to do something so good for God that they're like, no, G Jesus is becoming a threat to what we're doing for him. Think about that. When we decrease, we are saying and proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. That he's, he's Lord over all my agenda. He's Lord over every decision I make. He's, he's Lord over my, over my finances. He's Lord over my parenting. He's, he's Lord over my emotions. He's Lord over every relationship that I'm in. He's Lord over my vocation. He's Lord over my schooling. He's Lord over my politics. Like you name it, you're saying like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna decrease so that Jesus' perspective and his way can shape my heart and my mind and my life. Amen? We want to be a people who steward work what God has given us. Even this moment and this season that we're in for the flourishing of his kingdom. And John knew this well. He's like, I want to see the kingdom here on earth more than anything great that I, I have a chance to be a part of. Like, like he's saying, like, that's, that's more important than my personal success. And whether we have to defer or step back or get out of the way, like, our desire is for God to take center stage and for him to lift up others around us for the flourishing of his kingdom and our world. And what I see so often is that God gives us good things. He gives us, he gives us really good things, and the temptation is to hold it tightly and to think that, it was a, that it's our own. I think it's, it's our own to, to, to hold on and to keep and to grasp in God and, and with, our, with positions or, or influence or titles. And I, I think that clenching ends up quenching what the Spirit wants to do. And so church this season, I'm saying let's, let's loosen our grip on things that we may be holding too tightly. Let's be a people who says, Jesus, it's whatever you want. 
in my life because I want your fame and your kingdom to shine. I want it to take center stage because Jesus, you're God. I'm not. You are the giver of life. John says that he's not even worthy to tie his sandals. He said when he saw Jesus, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John said that he baptizes with water, but that Jesus will baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire, that Jesus can actually change people's lives from the inside out, that he can rearrange the hearts of kings and presidents and rulers and heal the brokenness of the world. When we submit to the Lordship of Jesus, he changes us from the inside out and so that our deepest joys are woven into his success. Our deepest joys are because Jesus Christ is King and Lord. And our mission and aim in life is to see him known. And if we want to see a transformed world, like he must increase. If we want to see uh, emotional healing, the divided walls of racism broken down. We want to see reconciliation and wars deceased and justice for the oppressed and equity and the restoration of families. Like he must increase and for him to increase and bring his shalom to our world, we must decrease. We must humble ourselves. We must lay down our lives. We must lay down our rights to be right. We must sit down and break bread with people who are different than us, who are not in our same social class, economic class, ethnic groups, and we must, we have to serve people, serve the world for no other purpose than for the kingdom of God and for Jesus Christ to be exalted. We have to be willing to, to sacrifice popularity and success and be a people that are generous to the point that it costs us something. We must decrease. And when we decrease, I believe that Jesus begins to step in and people go, oh, that's what he looks like. Oh, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. Oh, yeah, I want, I want to get in line and be baptized into that. Amen. That's what we want to see, that Jesus is so clearly seeing our culture and our world that people are drawn to him, that we lift his name up and we lift him up and he draws the world to himself. When John was in the womb, he... His mother and Jesus' mother, they, their, their bellies were near one another. And it said that John leapt, like he jumped inside his mother's belly at the presence of Jesus. And I believe that there's great joy to be found as we help people encounter Jesus. So let's lean in this season to being a people that are open to decrease so that we can make room for Jesus and experience his joy because resurrection is coming. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that you are here, that you are present, that you are working in this world, that you're working in us. God, give us the courage to lay down everything that keeps us 
from encountering you, from working in our lives, God. We declare right now with our mouths that Jesus, that you are Lord over all. You're Lord over us. We thank you for your grace and for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have people around you, why don't you guys grab some bread, grape juice, or wine, and just say that. Break the bread and say, God, Jesus' body broken for you. And take the cup. And this is Jesus' blood poured out for us. And when you say that, Jesus' blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins, we are washed, we are cleansed, and we are accepted in the beloved. And let me close this with a benediction. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Have a blessed week. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.